Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur, and with me is J.B. Scott of Turf Show Times, and we're going to be talking about, what else? The 2022 Los Angeles Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, and trying to become the first repeat Super Bowl champions since the 2003-2004 New England Patriots. It has been a trying time for the last 17 Super Bowl winners to win another Super Bowl the year after they did so. Even the Patriots and Tom Brady, you know, having won three uh, Super Bowls in the 2010s, you know, couldn't do it in back-to-back years. Sometimes you see a team go to Super Bowls in back-to-back years and come very close to repeating. And surely the Rams would like that opportunity, you know, to get to the Super Bowl. And this year might be one of the best chances of the last 20 years that a team has had to really, uh, you would think, looking at the road that uh, is in front of the Rams in the NFC, Russell Wilson going to the AFC, you know, Tom Brady turning 45 this year. Aaron Rodgers is uh, 39 and uh, the the Packers, are they going to be as potent offensively without Devontae Adams? All these questions arising um, in the NFC and not really, it's hard to see any super strong teams in the Rams way. And maybe the Rams right now with uh, all the pieces that they've kept in place, extended like Cooper Cup and and Aaron Donald, giving them raises and keeping them happy and in-house, adding Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner. It would surely seem that the Rams are in position to be even better than they were last year. Matthew Stafford going into year two of the Sean McVay system and another year uh, with Cooper Cup and and the receivers and tight ends and all those accoutrements around the quarterback position. You would say, hey, Matthew Stafford, top three quarterback in the conference and Aaron Donald, top three player in the NFL and Cooper Cup and, and all that kind of stuff gives the Rams a great chance here to potentially repeat. Um, but then again, you know, all of those teams that came before them did not repeat. Most of them didn't even come close to repeating. What's going to be different about the Rams this year? So me and JB, we, we want to focus a little bit on those weaknesses, not to say that the Rams are weak, but just to say, hey, be aware of those potential faults because without you know acceptance and awareness, you will not have improvement and uh, uh, facing that reality. So, you know, JV, let's just start off before we get into the uh, skeleton here. Let's just start off like, what is your gut reaction when I say Rams weaknesses? What is that first thing that is sort of your gut reaction? Yeah, I mean, with the Rams roster build, we talk about maybe a stars and scrubs approach, which is debatable. We could go on about it all day, really, if that's truly the case. But um, injuries are the greatest threat to the Rams repeating. You know, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, they're great receivers. But if one of them goes down, you know, that's a less uh, threatening attack that the Rams have on offense. Um, if the Rams, we saw what happened in the playoffs when the Rams didn't have Aaron Donald against the Packers in 2020. So 
they didn't really stand much of a chance against Aaron Rodgers. So you definitely don't want to see that happen. Uh, it'd be really tough to watch unfold when you have a great roster like this, but um, depth's important and we could see that unfold over the course of the season for sure. Yeah. Did you think that the uh, Rams depth was better in 2021? We did see Joseph. Nope. Uh, you know, we know like in the last few years, you know, sometimes Joseph Noteboom had to step up and uh, start in place of Andrew Whitworth and, and be a very important utility player and sort of, the Rams going into the depth of their offensive line, but now Joseph Nopum's not the utility player. He is the starting left tackle. So do you see depth as more of an issue this year than last year? Well, yeah, getting thrust into opportunities a season ago is going to work in the Rams benefit this year. So Andrew Whitworth and Joseph Nopum, they both missed a game last year. We had Alaric AJ Jackson from Iowa a rookie undrafted free agent coming and he stepped in and he's a great run blocker. Um, He can probably play left tackle or right tackle. So you like to see him get playing time and that's going to give him good experience going into the second year. You saw in the playoffs, the Rams didn't have Tyler Higby and you saw encouraging signs of development from uh, Bryson Hopkins uh, and the other tight ends too, Kendall Blanton, of course. So can they continue it? Can they build onto that? upward development that upward trend it remains to be seen but definitely um if we didn't see that from them and we are just riding into the season with tyler higby kendall blanton bryson hopkins there's a lot less reasons to be optimistic about the trio so um we're going to be glad we saw uh them get the opportunity to play a season ago before we get into maybe some of the uh, key position groups and uh, wh- which, you know, maybe because I think we can definitely look at, hey, you know, if you've got Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, how could you say that the Rams, you know, at least in terms of the starters, how could anyone say that the Rams aren't in contention as a top five receiver team in the NFL? Uh, no worse than top eight when you've got the reigning offensive player of the year and himself a very solid receiver in Allen Robinson when healthy, um, as well as, you know, potentially good depth if Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell, you know, were playing. Uh, up to their draft status, at least. Um, but what about like maybe some of these um, bigger picture parts of football, as far as like being able to pass the football? Um, how highly would you rank the Rams as far as with Matthew Stafford pass blocking those receivers and tight ends? How highly do you think of the Rams ability to pass in the NFL? Uh, and, and specifically like in comparison to the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens, um, some of the more potent passing offenses, the Bengals in the NFL, how highly do you think of them as a passing offense and also, how highly do you think of them as a rushing offense? Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, uh, Kyron Williams, a fifth-round pick, as well as the run-blocking acumen and the, and the run schemes of Sean McVay um, and now Liam Cohen, the new offensive coordinator. So would you say strength passing offense, strength rushing offense? Would you say rushing offense is going to be a weakness? Uh, where do you stand on those two parts? Yeah, I mean, rushing offense might be a weakness, but perhaps the Rams proved over the course of the playoffs that they can get by with a weak running game and put the ball to the air and make things happen there. So I think also Matthew Stafford entering his second season with Sean McVay in this offense, fair to expect improvement there, certainly. And there's a lot of talk about the 17 interceptions he threw a year ago, but um, I'm more concerned with how they happen than how many happened, of course. 
uh, wherever you saw him push the ball down the field, maybe like there were some ducks, uh, questionable decision-making. Maybe we, but when you get into the playoffs, uh, you, he turned to that playoff Matthew Stafford. He was really the best quarterback in the playoffs, maybe aside from Joe Burrow. But mm. you saw those mistakes, uh, the frequency of those really came down. He was, he was being very careful with the football, but also still making the explosives happen. And you just wonder, in the second season, do we see more of the playoff Matthew Stafford? Or do we see the you know, maybe regular season where he wasn't firing on all cylinders? Maybe a fringe top 10 quarterback in the NFL, you know? But definitely, when you look at the Rams passing attack, they're the best in the NFC West. Maybe Trey Lance enters that conversation, mm-hmm. but he's really just too big of a question mark at this point. Totally. I mean, uh, it is a very interesting situation right now with, with the 49ers. You know, I think it's funny to think about how the 49ers were the team that uh, was second closest in the NFC to reaching the Super Bowl last year. And they only did that with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, that, that that was all that it took for the 49ers. So if Trey Lance is any upgrade to Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, presumably then the 49ers are very strong. And on the same token, if Trey Lance sucks, which could be a possibility too, because we don't know anything about him. You know, I went to a 49ers training camp uh, uh, practice last year when they were, I think, facing off against the uh, LA Chargers in some joint practices. And I, I watched Garoppolo and Lance I thought both looked bad. And I mean, it was just a training camp, but there was no way that Trey Lance looked better. Now, Trey Lance was, you know, he barely played the year before. He's only ever faced, you know, division two, 23 competition. I mean, like, we just don't know anything about him other than, oh, yeah, there are physical attributes here that if honed and developed and coached up right could make him one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the NFL. And that could be true as early as this year. It may never happen. And that's where the 49ers seem to be teetering on this brink of uh, once again, you know, being one of the best teams in the NFL or total collapse, which seems to be every other year for Kyle Shanahan. So in terms of the 49ers, certainly they are a wild card. And then you look at the Arizona Cardinals where you've got Kyler Murray unhappy with his contract situation, but still showing up because he really doesn't have any choice because of the CBA and the NFL is so designed to uh, give leverage to the teams in these situations. If Kyler Murray were to miss any training camp, he would, uh, he would pretty much uh, lose an accrued season and, and it would uh, screw him over in terms of his 2023. Um, so it's, it's kind of uh, in a place where they have to bring back Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray has to show up and, I, and they might get a contract done, but even then the Cardinals were, were a bad team in the last two months of the year in the playoffs. So it's hard to even say like, well, what, at what point will that, how good will the Cardinals be from a passing offense? And then the Seahawks, of course, trading out Russell Wilson for a competition between Geno Smith and Drew Locke, which is mind blowing that any team in 2022 would have that competition. So there, there's no question that, you know, the Rams go in with probably the most security in terms of uh, their passing offense, at least in the NFC West uh, with that wild card being what's the status of Trey Lance and Debo Samuel out there in San Francisco is there some sort of higher ceiling with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray uh, passing offense and then rushing offense? Like you say, uh, maybe it's not as important 
for the Rams this year around. They're, they're not going to be a Todd Gurley type offense because they don't really have to be when you've got Matthew Stafford. You mentioned the 17 interceptions, and that is cer- certainly something that I think becomes acceptable when you throw 41 touchdown passes. Really, I think it's uh, taking all those risks is necessary in today's NFL because you just won't win a Super Bowl if, you're n- if you don't have a quarterback who is both willing to take those shots in the fourth quarter uh, and uh, is able to do it successfully. And that was the problem with Jared Goff against the Packers and against uh, most defenses um, during his reign as the Rams quarterback, which was those last couple of years, he just wasn't even, it wasn't even whether he was unwilling to take shots downfield or McVay was unwilling to let him take shots downfield. The Rams had no deep passing attack in the fourth quarter when it mattered because that was just not in his repertoire. And as we've seen with, you know, showdowns between Josh Allen and and Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford time after time in the playoffs last year, it came down to, can your quarterback make plays at the end of the game? And so that's what Matthew Stafford is capable of. Even if he does throw more interceptions than the average quarterback, you know, as long as those touchdowns keep coming, that'll be okay. So that is the offense. As far as the Rams defense, um, doesn't get as much, uh, credit or pub because, you know, you don't have Cooper cup and Matthew Stafford and now Allen Robinson on that side of the ball, but you do have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and now Bobby Wagner, no Von Miller in terms of the pass rushing ability without Von Miller. Is that a concern for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think entering the draft, the Rams had two eye popping weaknesses at edge rusher and at corner. But, you know, during the draft, they come away with Kobe Durant. They come away with Darion Kendrick, who is great for the Georgia defense. And they also trade for Troy Hill, who's probably the most underrated addition that we've had this offseason for the Rams. So definitely it just leaves edge rusher here at this point. You hope Justin Hollins can step up. You hope Terrell Lewis is healthy and he can contribute on a regular basis. And then there's also Chris Garrett, who spent had a red shirt season last year. Um, he was developing behind the scenes. So uh, we know Hollins is a solid player. Uh, he's going to be good against the run. He has some inside versatility too, but maybe not an electric pass rusher, someone who's going to you know accumulate sacks or pressure the quarterback on a regular basis. And we saw just how important that was of Von Miller and the impact he was able to make in the playoffs and down the stretch for the Super Bowl. Yeah, it is a definite um, hole. You know, it's I mean, the, the Rams felt so desperate for a edge rusher when Von Miller became available. They gave up two day two picks. That's that's basically the equivalent maybe of like a late first round pick. You know, it, it was a and it was just for a rental of Von Miller. And then what we saw was, hey, he was very productive. Aaron Donald always is productive. But that combination turned out four sacks in the Super Bowl turned out, you know, 19 sacks over the their time together for a limited amount of time just those two players alone and uh von miller going to the buffalo bills in the offseason they offered the most money uh certainly more than what the rams could afford given that they had to you know keep so much of the rest of the band together and at 33 years old who knows how much longer von miller can go on that on that on that you know trajectory but they've got chris garrett and they've got you know, uh, these, these shots in the dark, basically at edge rusher Terrell Lewis, if he'll ever be healthy, what were your thoughts on Raheem Morris? Because on one hand, I, I seem to recall 
this feeling week after week, we would talk about the, the Rams and, and, you know, especially during the games on Twitter, a lot of consternation and frustration with the Rams defense. Um, and at the end of the day, it's interesting because the Rams over at footballoutsiders.com, they ranked sixth in DVOA um, on defense with, um, or they ranked fifth on defense, sixth versus the path, fifth versus the run. So on an average efficiency per play basis, it was a top five defense, but it didn't feel that way every week, JB. It, sometimes it just felt like, uh, maybe the Rams made the right play at the end of the, you know, in the red zone or held the team to a field goal or, you know, but at the end, you know, like if you go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady leading that fourth quarter comeback almost, uh, could have been a very, uh, hairy situation there for the Rams in the divisional round. We saw the 49ers, you know, once again, it had to be a fourth quarter, uh, comeback for the Rams to, to win the NFC championship. And again, the defense, you know, did step up there with a sack of Joe Burrow whole, well, maintaining the lead. But again, it took a, a fourth quarter effort by the offense. So do you have confidence in Raheem Morris and the defense going into this year? Well, it took time for Brandon Staley's defense in 2020 to really hit the level that where that got them a head coaching job with the chargers. And I think it's fair to afford Raheem Morris that same amount of time where maybe they didn't have the best start to the season, but over the second half and into the playoffs, they're really uh, playing their best football. And I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt rolling into 2022. A couple stark differences you see because he's running the Brandon Staley defense, but, you know, putting his own twist on it is a lot more. He's putting guys in position to rush the passer, whether we saw early in the season, 2021 didn't maybe have the best effect, but a lot of blitzes from Jalen Ramsey and we saw into the playoffs, uh, Ernest Jones and the Super Bowl going on pressures, moving Aaron Donald around pretty often. He even took snaps, if you remember, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at edge rusher against the right tackle. Um, so definitely that's not something we really saw from Brandon Staley. Raheem Morris is putting his best players in the position to succeed, and that's encouraging. But maybe the Brandon Staley defense was stifling in 2020 and didn't really seem like even the, some of the best offenses in the NFC could get much going against them. Mm-hmm. And Raheem Morris has more of a bend on break feel to it is what my takeaway was from 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really how you like to play defense. Maybe with these reinforcements on the secondary, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams roll with Justin Hollins, Terrell Lewis into the season and then add reinforcements later. Um, yeah, but you, you, it's interesting to see how this unfolds for sure. You know, the Rams, interestingly, um, one of only two teams that allowed fewer passing touchdowns than rushing touchdowns last year um, only allowed 17 passing touchdowns in 17 games. Only the Buffalo Bills with 12 passing touchdowns allowed had fewer and uh, the Rams had 18 rushing touchdowns allowed. So more rushing touchdowns allowed than passing touchdowns, which, you know, it kind of goes to that bend don't break mentality that you mentioned JB, because it says, Hey, you're not going to beat us deep. You're not going to get explosive passing plays against us. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if you get into the red zone a ton and we're locking down your best receivers in the red zone and, and you've got Jalen Ramsey, maybe taking away your best option, uh, you better, you better run it in, which is what teams were forced to do more often. The Buffalo bills also one of those teams, 19 rushing touchdowns allowed 12 passing touchdowns allowed. Um, so that is uh, one part of it where, you do feel like, um, you know, the 
problem with a bend don't break defense sometimes is that uh, eventually it will and eventually it will break and you know having the right pieces and components in place I, I love that you mentioned Troy Hill because that is a someone that it's easy to forget that he's on the roster because he was someone previously on the roster and, and I think like it's almost like oh yeah you know it's Troy Hill here not here he's not here right and it's like no he's actually back here again and trying to fill that void left by Darius Williams. Is that a big deal to you uh, that Darius Williams is no longer on the Rams is cornerback. Um, how big of a concern is that for you? Cause the Rams, they did address it in the draft with the Kobe Durant and, and they went pretty heavy on secondary talent with their young picks here and, and signees, including Russ East, uh, Darion Kendrick, Quentin Lake, and a number of uh, undrafted free agents. Yeah, I think it was pretty apparent during the midseason point last year that Darius Williams, when he wasn't playing up to the level that we had grown accustomed to in 2020, that he really didn't figure into the Rams' plans moving forward. And it was not surprising at all to watch him move on to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars in a free agency. But Troy Hill, he's a player that has inside-outside versatility. Williams is more of just a boundary corner. And a lot of the players the Rams brought in this offseason, along with Jacoby Durant, have that inside-outside versatility that you can couple with Jalen Ramsey, who also has the same versatility. So gives you a lot of options on the back end, um, allows you to maybe move Jalen Ramsey against the other team's star pass catchers and mitigate those to the extent possible. But Because really you want to maximize his value, and the rest of the secondary can just kind of fall into place after that. But, yeah, definitely Troy Hill. Um, he's good against the run, too. That's a pretty big ability. Doesn't sound like that's too important for a corner, but definitely an underrated aspect of his game, certainly. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's funny, too, because it's like I think um, we never, ever, ever, ever would reference Cooper Cup and Robert Woods uh, run blocking, even though um, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's a part of the Rams. But, you know, you don't talk about receivers and run blocking. You don't talk about cornerbacks and run defense, but it is important and it is part of the game. And, you know, if you take. Anytime you have a player out there who has a weakness, I mean, it's a weakness and it's something that other uh, offensive and defensive coordinators are going to exploit as much as they can because the margin for error, the difference between winning and losing is so thin in the league um, that uh, anything that's a strength or a weakness is important. So to not have Troy Hill, uh, you know, to have Troy out there and not have a cornerback who maybe it's like, well, they're going to find a way to exploit that weakness, you know, might be another thing for Troy Hill. He's not a shutdown cornerback by any means, but that's going to be an interesting part of evaluating how strong this uh, defense really is from top to bottom and where teams will be able to find an advantage. Cause you know, it, as usual, it's like, how do you work around or move around Aaron Donald? How do you um, move around or play around Jalen Ramsey uh, and, and are able to score points against a team that does have, you know, two of the top defensive players in the NFL. Did you think that inside linebacker was a weakness last year to the degree that it was something to shore up because, you know, the Rams have been going through this churn at inside linebacker that has sort of been like almost the way they approached kicker a couple of years ago, where they only had this competition between three guys who really never had been in the NFL. And to this day, don't really have much of a mark on the NFL, like Sam Sloman and Liam Hajralahu and Austin McGinnis eventually wound up with Matt Gay uh, after, you know, several weeks and months into the season. 
And then at inside linebacker, you know, you had the guys like Kenny Young and Troy Reader and and uh, this idea that like, well, they'll just be fine. It'll you know, it's not that big of a deal. But then the Rams respond with Bobby Wagner. So uh, how uh, much of a weakness did you even really see um, inside linebacker for the Rams? And uh, how much do you think Bobby Wagner will improve the defense? Sure. I think the Rams maybe are fine with inside linebacker being a weakness and just from their overall team build approach, you might not win a lot of games or lose a lot of games because you're inside linebacker. So it'll be interesting to see how they use Bobby Wagner and second year, third round pick Ernest Jones moving forward. Um, My initial reaction to Bobby Wagner, I think it's going to be important against teams like the San Francisco 49ers in your division. You play them twice a year. You've been unable pretty much to stop their running game to stop when they use Debo Samuel in a variety of ways. And Bobby Wagner, two of his best performances last year came against the the 49ers. So um, he's used to him. He knows Kyle Shanahan well. I think he's going to be helpful. But whenever you talk about using Ernest Jones and Bobby Wagner and putting them on the field at the same time, that means you're taking someone off the field. And maybe that's a set, maybe that's a third safety like Taylor Rapp and or maybe that's a corner and you're taking David Long or Troy Hill or someone like that off the field. Um, in the modern day NFL, you just wonder how that's going to stack up and hold up against high flying passing attacks or if you're in the playoffs and you're going against someone like Aaron Rodgers. So um, it'll be interesting how they deploy those guys. You want to put your players in the best position to succeed and also build your scheme around what they do best. But to what extent um, does having two good middle linebackers uh, help you out in the NFL in 2022? We're about to find out. Yeah. And I, I look at that and, you know, it's, you gotta be able to cover. I mean, you, you know, it's, again, it's kind of like, um, with inside linebackers, I think the focus is so much about sort of run defense and leadership and tackling, but these days, you know, that's such a the middle of the field. I mean, that's where all the passes are going. That's, that's where you're getting destroyed sometimes over and over again. I know that Bobby Wagner, you know, with the Seahawks the last few years, I mean, the completion rate against uh, anybody in his vicinity is just extraordinarily high. Is he still that sideline to sideline, extremely athletic freak that, you know, was a Hall of Fame player with the Seahawks? To what degree is he still an all pro type inside linebacker? Is it only focused on that one aspect of the game or is he a liability in coverage? To what degree is Ernest Jones going to be a monster or an average player at inside linebacker? I would certainly look at Wagner and Jones and think that is not a weakness compared to most teams in the NFL. It's probably a strength, but as you say, how much value is there in that? And then opposed to that, I'm looking at the Rams defensive line and I think, wow, that has to be the strength. If we're just basing it off of how the last eight to 12 games, including playoffs went, you would think, wow, you've got Aaron Donald, you've got a Sean Robinson, who was playing his best football at that point in the season. And you've got Greg Gaines, who was also playing his best football over the second half of last year. Um, depth, Marquise Copeland, Bobby Brown, Jonah Williams, Michael Hoyt, Ernest Brown. How do you feel like that would seem to me to be like a strength? What do you see any weak points on the Rams defensive line? Well, you lose Sebastian Joseph Day in the offseason, and we're still sitting here calling the Rams offensive line a, a strength. So probably not a lot of teams in the NFL can say that. But, yeah, Ashawn Robinson played incredible down the playoff stretch. Greg Gaines, whenever Sebastian Joseph Day went out midseason with injury, he stepped up in a big way and looked freakishly athletic at times for his size, you know. And 
Jonah Williams, he's a good rotational piece. He is a good run defender. And then also you have Bobby Brown, who was drafted in the fourth round a year ago, had a redshirt year, pretty athletic. He made a play in the preseason. I don't know if you remember this, Kenneth, but he ran through the guard, ran through the fullback and made a tackle for loss of like four to five yards in the backfield is pretty incredible to watch. So <laughs> um, definitely he's going to be someone I'm watching during training camp in the preseason to see how he uh, just kind of check in on his development. So anytime you have Aaron Donald, it makes everybody else's jobs easier. And the Rams have some nice pieces, certainly. And even some young promising players that might be able to take a step forward in 2022. Let's go back to the offense here. We haven't really talked about the offensive line very much, especially not the interior of the offensive line, you know, and if we had to view a potential weakness among the starters on the entire roster, um, maybe it would be the one place where, you know, you might be starting a rookie or a player who disappointed last year in training camp and uh, the off season when you, when you kind of thought someone might step up there um, and the interior of the offensive line, you're looking at Brian Allen, who, who just this time last year, everybody was livid that Brian Allen was uh, had just like been placed into that center one position because of how poorly had played earlier in his career. And yet we're sitting here now, Brian Allen's got another, he's got a new contract. Um, he's getting another opportunity to, you know, sort of uh, maybe, you know, I think he was a pro bowl alternate this past season, you know, and, and whatever that means, who knows, but certainly the Rams were able to win a super bowl with him. Matthew Stafford was able to put, throw 41 touchdowns with him. The offense wasn't bad. And he was there as the center and didn't seem to be a weakness and certainly not the focus of so much anger like he was in uh, 2019 or, or whenever it was. But um, you've got Brian Allen there at center. You've got a competition at right guard between third round pick Logan Bruss, not one of the top hundred players drafted this year, um, a right tackle at Wisconsin could go any sort of uh, direction in there. I think a lot of it is just, you know, based on what little we hear out of practices and OTAs and all that kind of stuff. And then just projecting like, well, there's not a good option there. So why not a guy who's at least a rookie and, and might have all this kind of p- potential, but it wasn't necessarily the case for, you know, Joseph Nopum as a third round pick in 2018. It certainly wasn't the case for Brian Allen as a fourth round pick in 2018. It certainly wasn't the case for Bobby Av- Evans as a third round pick in 2019, you know, it's not that often that we see uh, offensive linemen starting as rookies, especially with the Rams, where some of these guys uh, took several years. I think David Edwards even kind of took a couple of years of not winning that job out of camp, falling behind Joseph Noboom, and then only injuring up going, okay, well, maybe David Edwards should start. And then David Edwards was starting. So you've got David Edwards at left guard, Brian Allen at center. Logan Bruss or Bobby Evans, you know, at, at right guard, um, you've got Tremaine Ancrum and, and Jeremiah Cologne, and there's other guys sort of in the mix or whatever, but do you see the interior of the offensive line as a weakness? Yeah, I know it's fair to have questions about Brian Allen. Uh, he's a tenacious center, but he is undersized and he's going to struggle against some interior defensive linemen. And there's going to be some games where he plays really well. So better probably in the run game than the passing game but he's a very rich man now the Rams have paid him well and hopefully you just see him maintain that level of performance moving forward I'm going to use someone we just talked about and Greg Gaines to kind of go on a cautionary tale 
about Logan Bruss. And this is just my idea for how things might move forward into 2022 and beyond. So maybe um, Greg Gaines, a fourth round pick in 2019, anointed almost immediately during the draft press conference by Les Snead as an immediate starter at nose tackle. But really, you don't see that take shape until 2021, this past season, whenever Sebastian Joseph Day was hurt. Then the same thing with Logan Bruss here in 2022 on draft day after the third round. Um, we're talking about him as a media starter, day one starter, right guard. But I think perhaps how this is going to play out is you have uh, an unrestricted free agent at right tackle on Rob Havenstein, a veteran who's been with the Rams for seven or eight years now. But maybe you're better off starting someone like Tremaine Ancrum or Bobby Evans at right guard. And then you have David Edwards, who's a skinny kind of more of a tackle build, a left guard. Maybe move him out on the outside next year and slot in Logan Bruss with left guard moving forward. So um, mm. I don't want to, I know we're here talking about 2022 and this season, but <laughs> That's right. I think this is how things might shake out in the long term. But someone like Bobby Evans, he was the, he was started or slated to start at right, uh, right guard a year mm-hmm. ago. Didn't really shake out well. Honestly, he might be in danger of missing the roster in its entirety this year. So we expect more of a third round pick, but entering his fourth year, um, we'll see how it shakes out for him. Yeah, I mean, it's really been um, unpredictable. So, you know, every year it's like, well, Brian Allen's not good enough. Oh, well, you know, he starts the whole year. Oh, Bobby Evans, he's the bright spot there. No, actually, he's uh, he's kind of fallen to third string. You know, it's like, oh, well, this guy, Joseph Nopum's going to start at left guard. Uh, you know, now he's kind of this backup. Uh, you know, it's it's always been uh, a constant mix. And then all of a sudden, even if you get to week one, It'll be different by week six and then it'll be different by week 17. So it's um, very interesting to just see, see how the Rams, they kind of don't even place that much of an emphasis on offensive line. Once you get past the signing of Andrew Whitworth in 2017, which is a huge move uh, that obviously paid off dividends. Um, it's not that much of an investment. You know, they pay Brian Allen kind of just sort of like uh, sets, you know, just, just, makes one less moving part that they can afford to keep in place. But I think the Rams can get out of this contract by next year. If it doesn't, you know, if they just feel they, they need to. So there's, there's, there's always that sort of mix. Rob Havenstein, like you said, Matt has managed to, to last since 2015 and, and he's hung on and, and we'll see where that goes next year with his free agency. So yeah, the offensive line, whether it's even a strength or a weakness, it seems like Sean McVay feels he can still, accomplish what he needs to accomplish on offense. And for the most part, it seems like he's been proven right because while the Rams mostly uh, outside of maybe 2019, you know, have had a pretty competent or good offensive line. I wouldn't say that it's, it's like the strength of the team either. Um, And so it's, it's sort of like everything is passable, especially on the interior of the offensive line, you know, that the, the, they can be passable there, which then allows them to give these exorbitant contracts to Matthew Stafford, Cooper cup, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Leonard Floyd, and uh, be able to build the roster top heavy like that. So let's uh, review the offense, the defense, and then the special teams. We'll get to that um, offensively, you know, what would you say is the Rams greatest strength and the greatest weakness? Yeah. You got to love the depth at receiver. Um, even if OBJ doesn't join the team, he doesn't resign, which we might know in the next six weeks, leading up to training camp, if he'll be back, but um, one through three Cooper cup, 
Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, couldn't be happier with that trio. And maybe you get uh, some surprising production out of someone like Tutu Atwell or Jacob Harris, Ben Skoranek, see if they can take a step forward in year two. But I'm going to I'm gonna give you a surprising answer for the weakness. I'm going to go with backup quarterback just because in the NFL, it's a league of parity. And if Matthew Stafford misses three or four games this season, losing off three or four of those could be the difference in making the playoffs or not. Do you really trust John Wolford or Bryce Perkins to be able to keep you in contention, be able to win those games? I haven't really been too impressed with what we've seen out of John Wolford in limited action so far. Bryce Perkins, who was an encouraging player in the preseason last year, but we really haven't seen him push the ball down the field. And that's such an important part of the Rams offense. Maybe he has a lower floor, but a lower ceiling too. Um, definitely wish the Rams would have invested some sort of capital into the backup quarterback uh, position this offseason. Because if we saw Matthew Stafford have this injection in his arm, uh, he didn't throw during mini camp. You hate to see this be the Achilles heel of this team when they're so talented, but three to four day games can make the difference. And we could be saying this time ne- or this time next year that not investing in the backup quarterback position did the Rams in. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point, JB. It is a surprise, um, but uh, not one that I think um, comes without reasonable justification because as you say like Matthew Stafford he has been very dependable you know other than the when you when you take out his first three years with the Lions he's just got this back injury that uh, took out half of his season a couple years ago and even though he's always hurt he's never missing any action and he and he's 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 not like putting the team that he's with in danger by going out there because it seems for the most part he's still able to be effective enough that you wouldn't want to see a backup of any sort behind him. And in this case, you know, you do think, okay, now he's 33 going on 34, as you said, um, recent ongoing procedures and, and concerns and stuff like that. And any year could be the year where, yeah, you miss three or four games and those three or four games could be the difference of the playoffs. It could be the difference of, you know, a home game. It could be, all kinds of things that come into account with that one difference. I don't think that like, I agree with you. I don't think that the Rams have a backup who would inspire any confidence. Should he have to start more than a game? And, you know, that isn't often the case with, for any team, you know, you don't necessarily have very many. It's hard. There's only 12. There's only, I think there's only like, 12 quarterbacks in the NFL, 12 to 15 quarterbacks in the NFL who you're very happy with. Then I think a third of the league pretty much is always on the hot seat. You know, the bottom five or six, you just, those teams, they want to get rid of them almost immediately, but there's always still another six or seven guys that are starting that it's just like, if you get one reason to, to go to the backup, you know, anything inspiring, you'll go to it. Even the guys that are, supposedly, you know, entrenched like Kirk cousins, you've got, you know, you've got so many people that I was going to say millions, which I guess could be true, but you've got so many people going, even Kirk cousins replace that guy. So for anybody, you know, it's hard to get a great backup in any situation, but John Wolford, not really um, a guy, despite, you know, his very uh, fun play uh, for a little while there at the end of the 2020 season, not a guy that you can rely on uh, to, to, to really carry a team. And I do think that the way that the Rams are built, you do got to have a guy quarterback who's capable of 
you know, getting that ball to Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, Jeff Van Jefferson down the field. It's not going to be a team that's going to uh, have a Jonathan Taylor running a rushing attack or something that can sort of help in those uh, moments. And also, like we said, the offensive line isn't the best in the NFL. So when you've got John Wolford back there, a perceived uh, potential weakness. And then I know that people get, you know, feelings and feel some type of way when a quarterback comes into the preseason and flashes a little bit here and there, but Bryce Perkins at no point to me looked like, you know, he's behind John Wolford. And I mean, at no point did I think this is a guy that's got a future in the NFL as a starter. So that's just because it is so difficult. It doesn't mean that Bryce Perkins doesn't have talent and abilities and, you know, could, stay in the league for a while as a backup. But when you're talking about turning over the team to him, um, that is something that, you know, the Rams did not go with any sort of sort of veteran insurance. Like, you know, and again, any name I bring up is going to draw like booze, but like the Rams didn't go with someone like Andy Dalton, who could, who, 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 even when he was with the Cowboys a couple of years ago, put up some decent games because he's a fine below average, bad, mediocre starter. But as a backup, sometimes that's all you need if it's just going to be getting through a month. So I totally uh, see where you're coming from there. And Ken, the Rams haven't drafted a single quarterback in the Sean McVay era, a little bit surprising, but you know how teams are, his assistant coaches are sought after by other teams around the NFL. Are you telling me that if you spend a fifth round compensatory pick that costed you nothing to get that, and you use that on a developmental mm. quarterback that other teams might not want to trade for that guy down the road? I don't know, but it, it's just the fact they haven't explored that path, I think is a little head scratching at this point. Yeah, I think um, that is something that, uh, has a lot of, you know, examples of, Hey, this third or fourth or sixth round pick, it didn't hurt the team to take a quarterback there. This quarterback was, you know, maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes you only get a Kevin Cobb, but Hey, Kevin Cobb could be useful at times. And, and he was worth a draft pick and trade eventually. Um, so there's, there's that side of it. Oftentimes, you know, when you draft a quarterback, it's just not going to be, it's just not going to be a very good player. And if you draft a quarterback who's not a good player, or if you draft a, a quarterback, who's not a starter, you basically are just drafting a guy who's not contributing to the team almost on any level other than in the meeting room or, you know, helping the quarterback uh, prepare because if you draft a cornerback um, or a defensive tackle or a pass rusher or a wide receiver um, who isn't a very good player, he may still get, 30 snaps or something. He may still help you out in some way on the field, but a quarterback who doesn't start is just a backup, just a guy in the meeting rooms. Um, so there's, there's that slight risk to it, but again, on day three, um, or, you know, maybe sometimes even in round three, uh, there is, there's just not as much risk because the players that you're going to get likely a lot of the times are going to be Bobby Evans, you know? So Bobby Evans, you know, if he doesn't win a job, he's also not, uh, contributing as a starter and the ceiling for Bobby Evans is, Oh, he helps you a, a tiny bit. Whereas the ceiling for a quarterback pick is much, much higher. Um, even if the odds of him panning out are much, much lower, it is interesting that we are now six drafts into the Sean McVay era. And as you said, that has never once happened, even though Sean McVay, you would think 
isn't is likes quarterbacks, you know, and would be like, Hey, Les, let me get one, you know, something like that, but it hasn't happened. Um, so defensively, uh, what would you say is the Rams strength, especially here in the NFC West, the players that they need to, uh, focus on stopping perhaps, which could be, you know, uh, the mobile quarterbacks in San Francisco and Arizona. Um, it could be some of these receivers like Debo Samuel, um, DK Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown joins the Cardinals. I'm really uh, interested in the future of Rondale Moore, another receiver there at the Cardinals. So they've got a lot of weapons potentially at wide receiver. Of course, the 49ers also have George Kittle and the Seahawks also have Tyler Lockett, even though they don't really have anyone to get them the ball. Um, Defensively, what do you see as a strength and a weakness for the Rams? A lot of reasons to be encouraged with Sean Robinson and Greg Gaines, Aaron Donald on that defensive line. Um, But also the Rams did a great job of reinforcing, like we talked about with Troy Hill, the secondary during the draft. And maybe there's no star players besides Jalen Ramsey and Jordan Fuller, but really there's solid all around. And they have adequate level of talent that even these teams with prolific passing attacks and these vaunted receivers, they can still match up and they have plenty of options to move guys inside outside. Um, and sometimes just having a lot of answers and throwing a lot of stuff at the wall to see what sticks is going to work out for teams moving forward. Um, a guy like David Long entering his fourth year contract year, excited to see what he can do. He was a great man press corner in college. Hasn't really translated well to the Rams zone scheme, but we saw him play well in the playoffs and he could take a big step forward with no Darius Williams this year. Um, so yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how the secondary shakes out. They might not have the top level players, but uh, they just have a lot of decent, good guys, I think. And um Whenever you look at the Cardinals, yeah, they have DeAndre Hopkins. They they did lose Christian Kirk. Um, A.J. Green's a year older. Rondale Moore started out hot, but kind of faded down the stretch um, whenever mm-hmm. that Cardinals offense fell off the map. So um, the 49ers are going to run the ball, and they're going to give you a hard time. That defensive line is going to be important. But you need athletic people to be able to catch up with the Brandon Ayukes and Debo Samuels and we should just probably ride off the Seahawks passing attack at this point, right? <laughs> so. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to get your thoughts on this guy and, and this team. You know, I, this is so off of the the Rams. But when, sometimes when I think of Rondale Moore, I think of Elijah Moore, I think of the Jets. I think of uh, I have a big surprise team in, in the AFC, and that's the Jets. I, I have a big surprise quarterback. That's Zach Wilson. I think Elijah Moore uh, and Garrett Wilson um, are very – nice uh, prospects there at ride receiver for Zach Wilson. If Makai Becton um, is healthy and, and, and gets better, you know, the offensive line might not be as bad as it seems. I know the AFC is super stacked and that it's difficult for uh, anybody to break through for those playoffs, maybe outside of the obvious choices that people have at, at, at all those strong quarterbacks that there are in the AFC. But I'm very high on the future of Zach Wilson, the Jets, Robert Sala, um, and uh, LaFleur as the offensive coordinator. Um, there's, there's a lot there, I think, where I'm like, oh, that could be the surprise team that uh, nobody is quite expecting. Any uh, surprise do you think you have any uh, sort of like shocking, surprising picks for next year? Yeah, I think the Chiefs and the Chargers demand a lot of attention, rightfully so, for their quarterbacks and what they've done this offseason. Chiefs have really had a lot of talent on defense. But I think the Raiders are really going to break out in a big way. And whenever you see Derek Carr 
lost his, one of his best receivers last year, uh, lost his head coach midseason and still took that team to the playoffs. Um, they had, you know, Devontae Adams and they have Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller's coming back healthy this year. Uh, Max Crosby is probably one of the best edge rushers in terms of producing pressures that we have in the NFL. Um, I think the Raiders are going to shake things up in a big way. Yeah, that's that's a that's very interesting. Yeah, I've, I'm definitely looking at the Raiders as all people, as a lot of people are, and thinking like, wow, the, again, like sort of like the 49ers, like which way is this going to go? Um, Derek Carr, no more excuses. You've got your best friend, uh, a guy that a lot of people call the best receiver in the NFL for certain attributes, you know, and uh, and Josh McDaniels, you're getting another chance here. And, and no matter how hard that division is, uh, they're at Allegiant Stadium, beautiful stadium. You know, you, you got to step up to the plate and prove it this time around. So, yeah, interesting situation there with the Raiders. I was even surprised that Russell Wilson approved a trade to the Broncos uh, if it was in any way to win a Super Bowl because I think the Broncos are still the fourth place team in that division. So it's uh, it's such, a, such an interesting uh, place for him to go to. Um. For the special teams on the Rams to close this out, you know, there is a big change that, you know, we don't talk about very much, probably because it's punter, but uh, Johnny Hecker, great career with the Rams, um, an all pro, uh, a, a legendary punts sometimes in the way that that special teams performed under Jeff Fisher at the time when, um, you know, and John Fossil at a time when like there was nothing else to really look forward to with the Rams other than Aaron Donald. Uh, Johnny Hecker was a guy that uh, did a lot of good things, and that uh, era is over and enters Riley Dixon, um, who joins Matt Gay as the two guys who use their feet. Matthew Orzich uh, comes back as the long snapper for anyone out there who is curious. Um, And then we've got competitions here, punt returner, kick returner, uh, perhaps Brandon Powell, Tutu Atwell, Raymond Calias, um, number of guys out there, hopefully not Cooper Cup. What are your thoughts on the special teams? Yeah, I think Johnny Hecker definitely ran his course the last two years. He just wasn't overly effective, as at least as we had grown accustomed to. Um, how many games does having a bad punter cost you in the NFL? Um, even Riley Dixon is, you know, he's an adequate punter, but how much can a bad one hurt you? It remains like probably not a whole lot. You're not going to, it's not going to result in one or two extra losses on your schedule. So um, definitely won't lose much sleep on that one. But one maybe interesting fallout and, it's significantly less fun for fans, but maybe instead of having Johnny Hecker attempt passes on fourth down, fake punts, fake field goals, you just line up Matthew Stafford, uh, give him one more shot to do what he does best. Um, I think that's going to work in the Rams' favor. I hate, you know, you take Matthew Stafford off the field to give Johnny Hecker the ball. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, hate the thought process behind that. So Matt Gay, yeah. he's been, okay. Yes, I'm to say. No, no, I was, yeah, okay. you go ahead, Matt Gay. Yeah, Matt Gay, I mean, he's been great. Um, we have to remember that he did turn his career around with the Rams. He got cut by the Buccaneers after being, you know, a decently highly drafted player, fifth round, I believe, off the top of my head. But um, maybe, you know, you never want to see it, but maybe he reverts back to form and becomes a – he is what we thought he was at some point. Um, and Brandon Powell, yeah, he was a great punt returner for the Rams. Maybe you see Tutu Atwell mix in there a little bit, but even if he doesn't, uh, I think definitely you should be encouraged with Powell and – um, there's no reason to expect him to not return to form. Yeah, I was just going to say, you make a great point about 
you know, these decisions uh, with fakes and taking, you know, it's like those moments when, um, you know, you do face a, a fourth and one or whatever. And you're just thinking, you know, if that is, if it's like fourth and one and, or fourth and two, I don't know. It's a, cause I'm, you can run the ball or at the same time, it's just like, got Cooper cup. I mean, he catches everything, you know, could do something there. It's like, anytime you just try to take out your best player from like making a play at the best moment, you know, that's where you want to see, you know, your best player step up now, maybe fourth and one, you do want to run it or, or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, yes, put the ball in the hands of the best players who were hired to do those jobs. Um, as opposed to, you know, th- those fakes, they got to come at the like most precise, perfect moments. Um, it's like with onside kicks, you know, they never work when, you need an onside kick, but if you shock the other team and, and do an onside kick when they weren't expecting it, they seem to work half the time. So uh great point. And, and we'll see how much it matters. Riley Dixon, how much we even talk about, you know, how, how big that punter situation will be. Will Matt Gay um, be more consistent? Probably, you know, not, you know, I think outside of Justin Tucker, I don't think there is a reliable kicker in the NFL. Um, maybe I'm, you know, over exaggerating there, but it's just so rare to see those guys that don't have really awful seasons. Um, and then maybe the next year they're great. You know, it's just so inconsistent, very exciting to see what Brandon Powell did in limited action last year. So yeah, we'll see what happens there. I think special teams, you don't necessarily want it. You never want it to be a weakness, but as, as far as strength goes, sometimes those special teams that are strengths um the rest of the team isn't that good so we'll see what happens there with the rams some changes going on but uh that those changes last year and the year before uh didn't prevent um you know never popular to fire a guy like john fossil to move on but at the end of the day you know this the rams won the super bowl so uh it's okay and uh we'll see what happens here with the rams in 2022 they definitely have a couple of weaknesses but are in contention to repeat because of their strengths and not any massive, huge concerns like, say, a Matthew Stafford injury at this point yet or, you know, one of the worst defenses in the NFL, if anything, a good defense. So very good situation for the Rams to be in, especially as you look around at the other teams in the division, the conference, maybe an opportunity here for the Rams to win 13 or 14 games. JB Scott, thank you for uh, joining on the podcast once again. Anything else you'd like to say before we go? Yeah, I just want to will something to existence real quick. I know uh, we're going to give Justin Hollins an opportunity to earn the the pass rushing spot opposite Leonard Floyd, but don't be surprised if you see him falter even either during training camp or early in the season that uh, a familiar trade partner in Brad Holmes in Detroit has a lot of pass rushing talent. Um, the the Aquara brothers to be named certainly um, wouldn't be surprised if you see Les Snead and Brad Holmes hook up for one more trade to bolster the Rams pass rush. Uh, I just want to kind of throw that out there so I can you know pound myself on the chest <laughs> later after, but we'll see what happens. Very interesting. I like that. Yeah, I mean, if I'm trying to will into existence Zach Wilson, uh, surely uh, it's worth trying to will into existence um, a beneficial trade with uh, somebody who, yeah, we know that the the Brad Holmes loves to 
do favors for less need and, and I'm sure vice versa, if they can help it, um, we'll see what happens there. And uh, yeah, I did call Von Miller last year, you know, but that's true. We, we don't have to talk about that. So, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we, that's it for this episode of turf show times subscribe to the show on some sort of podcast app. I would suppose uh, follow turf show times on Twitter at turf show times and check out turf show for more episodes, articles, and things to come here as we get through about six more weeks until training camp. And then we're going to get back into real live, actual football. I'm Kenneth Arthur. That was JB Scott. This is turf show times, and we will see you next time on the podcast.